Welcome to the Homeschool Loftcast, a podcast presented by the Homeschool Loft in De Pere, Wisconsin. Our goal at the Loft is to encourage parents who educate their children at home and let them know that they are both called to and empowered for the task of home-based education. At the Loft itself, we offer one-on-one consultations, book clubs and discussion groups, workshops and seminars, and a curriculum viewing library. Through the Loftcast, we extend our reach to encourage and bless homeschooling parents everywhere. Jenny isn't actually here today because she's in a meeting about a special Anne of Green Gables book party that she's hosting. So my co-host today is my wonderful older daughter, Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hi. <laughs> Um, I actually think it's pretty cool that Rachel's here today because our guest is one of our local librarians. I'll tell you about her in a minute. Um, If you've listened to any of our prior episodes, you know that Jenny loves books. But if it's possible that somebody loves books more than Jenny, it would be either my daughter, Rachel, or her daughter, Madeline. So it's really actually very cool that we have Rachel here tonight. Um, And What's kind of funny, too, is as our guest walked in, she said she recognized my daughter because my husband took Rachel and Abby to the library every Saturday morning all through their childhoods. And uh, so she's a known entity to our guest. And now let me tell you about our guest. Our guest today is Sharon Verbaten. And she is here to tell us all about libraries and library systems and how they can help you as a homeschooler. She has been the Youth Services Librarian at the Brown County Library in Green Bay, Wisconsin for 12 years, and she started her library career in the 1990s at the Milwaukee Public Library. For the past 20 years, Sharon has been the editor of Children in Libraries, the journal of the Association for Library Service to Children. Welcome, Sharon. Thank you for having me, Tina. Oh, we're so excited that you're here. Um, you did a little in-person seminar for us for a very small group uh, several months ago, and that's where we got the idea to have you on the podcast because uh, we want to spread your wisdom. <laughs> well, it was a small group, but um, they were very, very interested in what I had to say. So I was encouraged that homeschoolers are indeed hungry for resources. Um, and we're happy to help at the library. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. And I think, you know, that's true. We just often don't know, especially maybe in the last couple of years, so many new families have started homeschooling and they don't really know what's out there. Um, and then some of us, some of us who have been homeschooling forever don't even know what's out there, which is something that I learned. So, um, did you work with homeschoolers when you were in Milwaukee as well, or is this a new thing since you came to Green Bay? No, I pretty much, since I've been in Green Bay, um, I started at our our large branch Mm -hmm. where we had an actual homeschool resource center for both teachers and parents and homeschoolers. And it included um, books specifically targeted um, at things like discipline, Mm -hmm. homeschool curriculums, um, workbooks for um, math, science, reading, phonics, that kind of thing. And it was all in one resource center at our branches. It's kind of spread out, but I became very interested in what were these families looking for. And so I've kind of taken up the role of trying to reach out specifically to homeschool groups, because I think sometimes they're maybe afraid to ask what's available to them. Mm -hmm. I think you're probably right about that. Yeah. (laughs) And they shouldn't be because I think um, they're not alone in 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 overlooking the library for what we have. People often look at the library and think of leisure reading, yeah, which is true. But um, there are so many resources, both 
paper and digital that we have to offer. And I think it's especially important now in our post-COVID world to get back into the library and, and utilize what we have. Absolutely. Absolutely. So along the same lines, um, why have you made it a priority here to direct directly reach out to homeschool families instead of just letting them come to the library and maybe ask for direction? So great question. Um, We've certainly noticed, especially in these past several years when libraries have been closed, Mm -hmm. that you know, you got to bring people back in just like you have to bring them back into the stores, back into, yes. you know, the schools, that <laughs> restaurants, kind of thing. all that. Right. Yeah. Right. And back into the libraries. And one of the missions, I think, of any library is not only to meet the needs of our patrons, but to meet the needs of the patrons also where they are, mm-hmm. which is why I'm coming here to do this and trying to meet homeschool families at their meetings, at, at your venue. And again, People are not necessarily comfortable asking questions. Right. They may not want to look like they don't know everything or um, that they're not tech savvy enough. So, um, you know, not that they're necessarily shy, but they just may not be familiar with what we have to offer and don't want to look ignorant or, you know, not up to date. So we are just, you know, I really want, I'm passionate about <laughs> letting people know what we have. And especially because everything we offer at public libraries across the nation is free. Right. And I think people forget about that. I really do. Is that where else can you get all the, you can come into a building and everything that you walk out with is free (laughs) legally. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So um, it's important for people to know that. And I know I stressed that before when I saw, um, you know, a small group, but um, everything is free, so why not take advantage of it? Right. You know, and we're we're paying it with our for for it with of our taxpayers or with our taxes, right? And so again, we all pay for it. So of course. But again, you know, it's free. So um, I used to laugh when the girls when they were little, and I think Rachel still does this. Um, she'll say, you know, I, I rented some books at the library. Well, you didn't rent them because you didn't have to pay, but <laughs> but that's what people that's what people think. So um one of the things I think homeschoolers are known for is for checking out gobs and gobs and gobs of books. <laughs> Have you found that to be the experience um, in your time here in Green Bay? So one of the services that our children's librarians do provide is we put together what we call teacher collections, which mm-hmm. are not just for teachers, but for homeschoolers, for parents who who may want to put thematic collections together. Mm-hmm. We're happy to do that. People will email and call and say, Oh, I'm pulling my hair out. I'm doing a a World War II theme, you know, next week and I I don't know what to do and mm-hmm. I hate to bother you and I'm like, "Please don't say you hate to bother me. <laughs> I'm a librarian. This is my job. I'm happy to put a collection together for you." Mm-hmm. So, please utilize your library in whether you're in a rural area, um uh, a city area, Um, We simply ask that you give us enough time to gather the materials you may need. Mm -hmm. Um, It's easier if you give us more than 24 hours. (laughs) But, um, you know, we're lucky here in Brown County is that we have eight libraries to pull from. So, um, you know, if I don't have something on a particular theme at my branch, I can certainly get get it from other branches for you. So um, never say I don't want to bother you to a librarian because we're very happy to help. put that together for you. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. How many, um, how many books are homeschoolers allowed to check out at one time or anybody really? But So with a valid Brown County library card, you can check out 50 items. 
and per card, um, per card. So, <laughs> I mean, if you have, you know, two cards in your family, um, and you know, we do find that that has been useful for teachers and homeschoolers and parents alike. And many people do, um, take out quite a few at a time. Um, and that's great. Um, and certainly can work with you on that if you you know, had more cards in your family and needed more books for something. Right, right. I have a, a friend who has nine children. So hmm, that's a lot of, that's a lot of books. And they can probably all get a card. And I think they'll yeah. find that at, at any library across the nation is that yeah. children of most ages can get cards um, in our system. Um, infants can get cards. Yeah. Um, parents can sign up for those. So um, there's no limit to how many cards a family can have, you know, right. one per individual. Yeah. Sometimes homeschoolers can be um, hesitant about checking out library books, maybe if they find it too difficult to do the research to find the proper books on their own, or they think it's going to take them too much time, or maybe they live out in a rural area and they can't get to a library right away. The Brown County Library has an online resource. I think a lot of library branches in any place in the country do. Could you kind of explain how that works? Sure. So most, I would say probably 100% of the libraries throughout the nation, unless they're very small, um, have some sort of online databases available mm -hmm. to patrons, whether it be encyclopedia databases, consumer reports, uh, financial databases, um, children's encyclopedias, um, auto repair manuals. I mean, so <laughs> many, um, you know, even driver's tests. We have driving mm -hmm. um, practice driving tests, yeah. which would be great for homeschoolers as well who may not have access to driver education. So these are all easily accessible with a valid library card. Mm -hmm. um, and you can basically go on your library's website kind of browse around. If you get too confused, certainly call your library and, and we're very happy to walk you through what it is you're looking for. Um, sometimes people are feeling like they can't wade through a, a website or an encyclopedia, but I think once we, we show them, um, it's pretty easy to get to what you're looking for and then dig deeper. I mean, you made a point like they may not know how to narrow it down. They might be looking for World War II information, which would be giving you a million hits. So then let's help you narrow that down. Are you looking for Hiroshima? Are you looking for Anne Frank? We can certainly, I mean, that's one of our jobs as librarians is to really help you get to the meat of what you need. Right. It can be overwhelming, right? I mean, World <laughs> War II is an overwhelming theme, but, you know, let's dig down deeper. Are you writing a 12 page paper? Do you just need to write two paragraphs? Right. We don't want you to be overwhelmed because we find that if students become overwhelmed, they're going to give up. Yeah. They don't want to read. You know, this is frustrating. And, you know, it's, it's far too easy to lose somebody who gets confused. Um, so please feel free to ask for help. And, um, you know, we will do anything we can short of writing the paper for you. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I think that's actually really cool. And so I did not know about the databases until you came and talked to that, that small group a few months ago. And that was really exciting for me. I'm sorry, Rachel, that I didn't know about that when you were in high school. <laughs> we just browsed around and we yes. just loved ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. But the cool thing is, so if, if they go to the Brown County library website, or really, like you said, any library system website, um, the databases that themselves might be somewhat different, but they all Correct. have them. Right. Mm -hmm. And here, and I imagine elsewhere as well, if you just want to check out books, you can actually put them on reserve 
online, right? Because I used to come in every, when the girls weren't there with their dad um, and I would browse the shelves because that was fun for me, but not everybody has time to come in and spend three hours pulling books. Correct. So how does that work with checking books out online? So, right. If you don't, if you can't physically get to the library, which of course many people couldn't during COVID. So that's a great example. We, you know, we had to pivot obviously, and we had some outside pickups during COVID, that sort of thing. But your card was always active for the online. So even if you, let's say you wanted uh, the newest novel and you could, or something for your book club, for example, um, you could go on our website, check it out, not check it out, but reserve it with your library card um, and then pick it up. Or if we did have a digital copy, you could just have that downloaded to your device. Mm. Um, If you had Wi-Fi, bam, you're done. Um, So, there are still plenty of things that people can access from home without coming in. Mm -hmm. Um, So for example, the databases I was talking about, um, your card does need to be valid. You log in, you find what you need. A lot of the um, scholarly journals and encyclopedias, you can access either full text Mm -hmm. or HTML. So um, PDF, there are different formats for different databases, Mm -hmm. right? So you could legitimately call up the PDF of the, for example, Smithsonian article you're looking for and print that out Mm -hmm. or have it emailed to you. Right. Um, And it it gets me so excited that all that is there, (laughs) but also a little bit distressed that people don't know it's there. Yeah. So I think we need to be doing a better job as libraries of letting people know it's there because let's face it, we pay to have these databases, right? So we right. want people to use them. Yeah. Um, but also um, we're becoming more of a digital society, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. while books are great and I still want to read a paper book, don't overlook all the digital resources that are out there. A lot of textbooks, college kids these days are using digital textbooks. While we don't have at the library, we don't have the textbooks. We do have the resources to back up what you're learning. Wow. (laughs) uh, You didn't use too many digital books though, Rachel. No, I didn't because I like the feeling of a physical book in my hand. I love it. I'm with you there. I mean, I'm definitely (laughs) Definitely. with you there. But, you know, you, you can't necessarily get the books from the Smithsonian. So to have those online resources is actually really helpful. Or the magazines. I mean, I think to me, that's one of the biggest things is that we obviously can't afford to purchase every magazine that's out there. And, you know, the Journal of the American Medical Association, it's not the kind of thing that would necessarily circulate in print form in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Right. Um, So as long as we have access to those articles for people. And I mean, I think another really important reason to check out these databases is that these are valid, reputable sources of information, right? Mm-hmm. So um, one thing that always bothers me is that, you know, the the kids will come in and they'll Google something and they'll find it in Wikipedia and then <laughs> bam, they're done. And um, it's really, you know, that's not going to cut it in, in today's world. So we really need to verify our sources, make sure it's coming from a reputable mm-hmm. website and reputable journal. Right. Yeah. How do you feel about Wikipedia, Rachel? I mean, it has its merits, but books are better. Like always verify whatever Wikipedia says against something else, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, you know, and I think, you know, college professors, I think, do try to instill that yeah. um, in students, but it's still, for, 
sadly, for far too many students, it's the easy way out. <laughs> yes, unfortunately. So why don't you do number eight? Um, sometimes homeschool parents, when they're really involved with their kids and their schooling, they can be concerned that library material might not align with their family values. Um, what are some ways to vet the search materials when they're looking for them and how to get the, the librarians help with that? Wow. I mean, your, your question couldn't be more timely to, <laughs> I mean, we're certainly living in a world where all of that is, is really coming together, right? We're in an age of book banning again, unfortunately. Yes. And, um, you know, a lot of Supreme court rulings and things that are coming together, creating a very divisive atmosphere, right? right. So it's the job of the library, however, to not take a side, mm -hmm. right. And to provide, um, as much information as we can on, various topics, mm -hmm. right? Um, we're not there to say, this is good, this is bad. Right. This may or may not align with your family values. However, it may align with someone else's sure. and that needs to be available to them. Mm -hmm. So um, when people come to me and are looking for reader's advisory on a book. I'm looking for a book for my teen. Um, you know, I'll certainly bring them to the section and, and um, you know, certainly say, just so you're aware, there's more mature subjects in some of these books. Mm -hmm. Let me know if there are things that you want me to avoid, yeah. you know, is, you know, LGBT content off the table for you is mm -hmm. violence off the table, right. um, those sort of things. And yes, you will find all those things at the public library. Mm -hmm. um, but you will also find Christian books and, um, you know, books about witchcraft. So we, it is our job and our mission as a library, I think, to provide a well-rounded array of materials for everyone. Um, certainly as a homeschool parent or just as a parent, it is up to you to decide right. what your children will read and what you will be teaching your children right. based on your values as a parent. And we certainly respect that. But um, what we don't really appreciate is someone coming in and saying, this book doesn't align with my family's values. I think you should take it off your shelves. Yeah, right. So, um, and you know, it definitely speaks to um, what review sources somebody is using mm -hmm. for their books as well. I mean, if you come in and you have a list from common sense media yeah. of, of materials that they recommend, mm -hmm. we most likely will have some of those in our library. Yeah. Uh, we will also most likely have some things in our library that common sense media does not approve of. <laughs> so just, you know, whatever, you know, source material you're using, we're happy to uh, find whatever we can um, to align with what your family requires. Right. Right. I think, uh, you know, Rachel and I, you can both agree that we might not necessarily read every single book, but we, I don't want any books banned ever because I just think that that's, that's a really scary road. <laughs> or especially down. if, yeah. you know, somebody comes in and says, I don't want this book in the library. Yeah. And then I say, well, can you tell me what about it is problematic? And then they say, well, I haven't read the book, but. Oh yeah. So, um, you know, I think obviously we're not in the, in any library is not in the habit of, of pulling books off their shelves. Yeah. We just, um, you know, we're certainly open to frank discussions mm -hmm. with patrons about what their concerns are. Right. Um, and if they have a problem with something a family member is checking out, then it, that really is reserved for the family to decide. Right. Right. If, 
I'm looking for certain materials or I know of particular books and I would love to have them at the library for my friends and and whatever to check out as well. Is there a process to go about saying, I don't want to take any books off the shelf. Maybe I just want to balance it out with a different perspective. How do we go about doing that? So I would think most libraries, for for example, here at Brown County Library, if you go on our main page, there is a link. It's called Suggestion for Purchase. Mm -hmm. So you can click on that. You can add the title you're looking for. Just get the information off Amazon or or whatever source material you're using. Um, that doesn't mean 100% we would necessarily buy that book, but it would go to our selector who would then look up reviews and decide if it's something we don't have, should we have it? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, you know, for the most part, it may just have been something we possibly overlooked. Yeah, It may be something very niche to a particular industry. It may be something from a smaller publisher sure. that perhaps didn't get enough reviews and we may have missed it. So I would think many libraries, if they don't have it on their website, you can certainly call and recommend a book be added. Again, not guaranteed that they will add it based on budget and other constraints, but Absolutely. I think any library would be open to suggestions. Yeah. To just thinking about, oh, this is a community member. This is what they think is important. So we can at least look into it, right? Because you want to, you want to match what the community wants, I imagine. We absolutely do. And, um, you know, there, there are, you know, again, smaller publishers that the book may, may not have been reviewed enough for us to find it, mm-hmm. um, but it may still be quite valid. A good example is I think you gave me a list a while ago of some homeschooling books yeah. and, and some of them we did own in the library and some we didn't. And when I looked them up, it was like, oh, this is very small publisher. It might've been self-published. Sure. Um, sometimes self-published books don't make it into a library. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they can't. Yeah. Uh, it just means we may have overlooked it, but um Absolutely recommend something um, that you want seen. I think, you know, most libraries aren't in the business of purchasing textbooks or workbooks that perhaps are consumables. Right. But, um, you know, very happy to support what you're what homeschoolers need, of course. Right. Absolutely. Um, You've mentioned in your in-person seminars that you've done for homeschoolers that the library has curriculum aids for homeschoolers and just basically any anyone. Can you tell us a little bit about those? So while we do have some curriculum aids that are aimed specifically at homeschoolers, um, we also have books that might not be called curriculum aids, but can certainly help them do so. Um, so whether it might be a, a craft um, portion of the curriculum or um, you're doing a math um setting. We may not have the workbooks, Mm -hmm. but we may have um, specific books that are written that may help you build your own curriculum, Mm -hmm. right? So we don't necessarily have these set out curriculum guides, but we definitely have the books that can help you support that. Mm -hmm. I know in the last few years, some books that were really popular were dealing with science in the outdoors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't necessarily how to structure your curriculum, but we had the books on how do you, you know, how do you teach photosynthesis by taking a a walk around your neighborhood right. or how do you um, talk about minerals um, by maybe having a scavenger hunt, that kind of thing. So, um, Well, you know, somebody might come in and say, I need a curriculum guide. I might not have one that spells it all out for you, but I think the books I give you can help you create your own curriculum. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people, though, really want something spelled out. (laughs) Yes. And I don't know if necessarily the homeschool community, if there is necessarily a document that spells out 
XYZ for math, XYZ for science. Yeah, not really because, well, every state's homeschool law is different, right? And so Wisconsin has a particular set of, you know, statutes related to homeschoolers, but that's different in Connecticut, in Texas, in California. And so there's not one national anything. And then, for example, in the Wisconsin homeschool law, it says we have to teach math, science, social studies, reading, language, arts, and health every year. It doesn't tell us how. Mm-hmm. It doesn't tell us, oh, and like I know in the public schools, I think in fourth grade is Wisconsin history, right? Um, and that's kind of, I think, mandated if it's still the same um, in all Wisconsin public schools. The homeschool law doesn't say that. So I can, hopefully, if I'm wise, I'm teaching my kids about Wisconsin history, but it doesn't say I have to do it when they're in fourth grade. So, Or you could, you yeah. know, take a field trip to Heritage Hill exactly. or, um, right. you know, one of the other historical sites. And right. that may be... You know, we we have an outstanding local history department mm. at the Brown County Library. And that's another thing that homeschoolers might overlook as well, is that huge amounts of genealogy and um, local history. Yeah. Um, a treasure trove, both in terms of um, newspapers on microfiche, uh, scrapbooks, mm. information about um, businesses and where they used to be. So, I mean... Just doing local history, walking the streets of Green Bay, or one of my favorites, taking a cemetery tour uh, would be an amazing way to learn about your local history. I mean, this is a great way to bring history to life or death, as it were. Right, right. Rachel, tell Sharon about that with our family. Oh, well, dad really likes doing that because he's a history nut. So occasionally he'll take walks and one of his favorite spots is the cemeteries around town. He looks at them and he's like, look at this. This was a person. And let's read about them then. Yes. Let's find a book. And then I he goes think to we're the kindred spirits. Oh, I've, I've done this with yeah. my daughter <laughs> during COVID, especially when, you know, you're kind of locked up and, yeah. and we went to cemeteries and I pointed out, this is a veteran's grave and mm-hmm. this is a grave of an infant. And why would an infant die so young? And, yeah. you know, so there's so much to learn. So I'm, <laughs> I'm so excited to hear that, that somebody else is doing that. Oh yes. And he, he'll go to the library and he'll find, you know, maybe you have one book on some obscure historical figure in Brown County and he finds it and he's going to learn all about that. And how many books does he read every year? Oh, I don't know. Last year he read 50 books. At least. Yes, that might've been a running year. track of it. Yeah. He's think- probably very familiar with our local history department then. he is he goes right up to that section every week he's like i've got to check out this book and he's checked out one like five different times because he likes it we're happy to hear that because <laughs> yes. it's a lifelong learning thing we right? like I mean, those that's, kind that's of a patrons. very good thing okay so you mentioned the smithsonian database uh the genealogy thing what are some of the other specific databases just to kind of get them out there if we haven't clearly said exactly in brown county but maybe there are in other places as well so for, you know, for children, whether it be like elementary, middle school, high school, there is an ex- it's called Explora and you can decide, OK, I need this for my second grader. I'm going to click on elementary and now I'm going to search Anne Frank, which is going to give you much different resources at a second grade level than it would if you're searching for a high schooler. Right. Yes. So it's going to target whether it be the encyclopedia entry or the journal that's, you know, more targeted towards that age group. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you wouldn't want to go into the high school encyclopedia if you were looking for something for a third grader. So again, um, we can get you age specific information and it would be the same for something like, um, you know, you have to do a term paper on 
COVID-19, right? Mm -hmm. So ever-changing information. So we would make sure that we need to get you to maybe the CDC website. Mm -hmm. We could help you reach that. Or we could go to the the Journal of the American Medical Association. So again, having a librarian help you is great, but I also encourage people to just browse. Yeah. You're not going to break anything, (laughs) right? So just browse. And, you know, I mean, to me, browsing those databases is really just a way to find something else. Yeah. I mean, you might, for example, I had a young boy come in and he wanted a book Mm -hmm. on the axolotl. I didn't even know what he was (laughs) saying. What is that? (laughs) I didn't even know how to spell it. (laughs) So apparently an axolotl, I believe, is some sort of water animal it's close to a salamander, I think. Something like that. It is like <laughs> a lizard. It I'm is a very that. odd, but I think it's having a moment. <laughs> I think it's like the new narwhal. Okay. Anyway, the axolotl, <laughs> look it up. But anyway, this little boy came up and said, I want a book on axolotls. Well, I looked in our catalog and I didn't have a book on axolotls, but I then went into our databases mm-hmm. and looked for elementary. And sure enough, there's plenty of information. Mm-hmm. Whether it be a National Geographic Kids or, you know, some science magazine for children on the axolotl. And so he found what he wanted and there were pictures on there. Mm. Now, it wasn't, you know, I didn't give him a book in his hand to look at, but it certainly piqued his interest. And I also helped him, you know, learn about the databases, hopefully. Yeah. Um, And I think we have to remember to maybe tell our kids like not to be too narrow with what we're expecting, you know, for example, if, if a student comes in and says, well, I need a book on, mm-hmm. we may not have a book on that. Right. Let's get you um, something online. Um, teacher, the student might say, well, my teacher says it has to be in a book. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, let's just expand our horizons to, you know, a lot of stuff is online right now and we may not have it in a book. Right. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of topics are changing rapidly, such as COVID, such as monkeypox. These (laughs) topics change by the day. Sure. And rather than getting you a book that could be out of date, you know, let's get you something. And if the the kid could say, uh, let's say it's a homeschool student, right? But he came in by himself. Let's say he's he's 12 and his mom dropped him off and said, I need to get a book on COVID-19. And you say, well, I don't have a current one because you have some from two and a half years ago, but obviously, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? but if then the child could go back to the car and say, you know, the librarian says there isn't a current book, but this is a source that she recommended, mm-hmm. then that I think maybe proves credibility, you know, because I think sometimes parents and teachers want to make sure that that an online source is a credible source, because, again, we know that some of them aren't. Of so. course. And we can certainly, you know, print that information out and um and I do also recommend you make a really good point, Tina, about, you know, the, the kid coming in and asking what they need for their project. Yeah. To me, that's really important because mm-hmm. I do have a lot of parents who will come in and say, yeah, my my son wants a book about Frederick Douglass. Right. Yeah. OK, well, what does he want to know about him? Blah, blah, blah. Can you be more specific? And and they're like, no, he just likes Frederick Douglass or whatever it may be because <laughs> who doesn't right right so that's maybe a bad example but well, not but, if it's a homeschooler no there's point, lots of history kids in homeschooling point so being yeah. is that um if at all possible mm-hmm. have that child with you yes uh I mean it's certainly um it's certainly good to not only engage the child with the learning process and how to 
use a library catalog and how to find things. But, um, you know, you may come home with five books that that kid just has no interest in. Yeah. Yeah. So engage your child if at all possible and don't just pick out things and hope they like them. Right. Because we know, especially when it comes to fiction, Mm -hmm. you hand a kid six books and they don't like them. I mean, they're like, oh, I don't, I hate reading. I don't want to (laughs) read. It's our goal to keep them reading. So let's, let's engage them in the process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Our family, we kind of did a mix. So I would go once every week or two. Well, no, not every week because I would check out however many books it was at the time. I think it was a little bit more than 50 when the girls were little. I think it was 99. Okay. So I probably (laughs) did that. Um, But let's say I would go on a Thursday afternoon and I would just get a whole bunch of books about whatever unit studies that we were working on at that time. So it'd be nonfiction, you know, history, science, that kind of thing. And I would check those out based on what my educational goals were for the girls at that time. Um, And I brought them home. They didn't always like all of those, but that's okay. I had 99 books in my book basket or whatever. So it was fine. But then every Saturday morning they came with my husband and they got to browse around and pick the books that they wanted. So we kind of did a mix so that they might not always know, Hey, let's look for books on whatever topic I was wanting them to learn about. So I had to take the the reins as a mom, but then also give them choice. And that was one of our big things, Rachel, right? Choice in in what you read. Definitely. Yeah. That's so important. I'm so glad you said that because it, and this isn't, just germane to homeschool, but mm-hmm. a lot of parents, especially when it comes to fiction, right? Yeah. Um, parents coming in and, you know, I need some books for my fourth grader. Mm-hmm. Great. What is your fourth grader like? Right. <laughs> um, well, all he reads is wimpy kid. I'm like, great. Let's, let's find something similar. Nope. I don't want him reading graphic novels. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think choice is super important because what you've already done is your, your child has made the choice to read wimpy kid. Yeah. You're taking that choice away from him because you're not approving of the graphic novel, which in fact is a legitimate form of reading. Just (laughs) going out there, (laughs) just going out there now and saying that. But I mean, I think, you know, once you bring home, probably the worst thing you can do is bring home a pile of books and say that the librarian says, these are awesome books. Well, (laughs) okay. Death knell of reading, right? Don't want to, don't want to read what the librarian says is good, but, um, you know, really give them, I mean, certainly pick some out, out some books as a parent, but give yeah. them choice as well, because exactly. um, if they don't connect or engage with what they're reading, they're going to get bored and disengaged yeah. and that's not going to help anything. Yeah, right? absolutely. Absolutely. Rachel, talk about how graphic novels are really kind of the the input for you. So, well, yeah, um, I used to read like you know, a lot of picture books when I was younger because, you know, the pictures got me interested in the story. And then I wasn't really that into reading. I took a while to you know, learn how to do that. But then I forgot how it first kind of started, but I got drawn to graphic novels because the pictures and the story was engaging. I think you saw the Tomo series at the library. Yeah, it was and a, that was a it. series that I found at the library. I was like, oh, this looks interesting. I can follow along with the story because the pictures are engaging. And then that got me into reading, which I then moved into chapter books and not so graphic novels. But it was an interesting thing and you were glad of it because it got me into reading. Well, yeah. And how many books do you usually read at any given time now? I usually have about five books going <laughs> at one point so I can you know, read one and then and then go to the other one. Yeah. Variety. It didn't hinder a whole yeah. podcast on graphic <laughs> novels and how important they are, because I think it's so, so important. I mean, and I, I don't quite understand why people think that you know, they're not reading because they really are. (laughs) And to me, I always shunned graphic novels for myself because Mm -hmm. I didn't think 
I could follow along well, mm-hmm. but I, I started reading a few and really liked them. And I'm like, hmm, this is kind of challenging and yet engaging for yeah. me. So, um, yeah, yeah. You rah, rah. Graphic novels are <laughs> books too. So actually, uh, maybe I think we should have you back to talk about graphic novels Good and me. even just all the whole scope of literature and reading and all of that and how to really keep your kids motivated and all of that. Because parents get scared, you know, my kid's not reading Shakespeare by age nine. Something's <laughs> wrong. And even audiobooks. I mean, this summer, you know, most libraries do a summer reading program. We're doing a summer reading program and and parents and kids alike are asking like, well, do graphic novels count? Of course. Do audiobooks count? Of course. Mm-hmm. Do ebooks count? Of course. Um, <laughs> so these are all forms of reading. If you're listening to a book and you know your, your comprehension is there and you're engaged with it. Um, so yes, absolutely. There's lots of way to enjoy books and mm-hmm. nothing is off the table <laughs> when it comes to literacy. Right. So. Amen. I mean, because one thing with audiobooks is people's listening comprehension skills are higher than reading comprehension, correct? So you can listen to something more complicated than maybe you could read yourself. I would agree with that because I mean, we're, we're certainly at a case now where we're facing it all across the nation where third grade reading level is problematic for a lot of kids, mm-hmm. right? And we need to get them to that level to become, you know, even better adults, right? Sure. So we're focusing on the reading, but if they could get into listening to a book and and um, being interested in that, that could tip the scales to, wow, I really liked listening to that book. Now let's read one. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it can go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, but I think we're all, often parents might be in a hurry. Like you said, they're not reading Shakespeare by grade, whatever. I mean, they might not be ready and that's okay. I mean, let's, let's throw out some of these books that say you need to be doing this by this age, this by this age. And I personally learned that because I have a child with special needs and, you know, she wasn't reading or walking or whatever at the age she was supposed to. Yeah. But guess what? She got there. Yes. Right. So why do we have these same restrictions on our quote unquote normal kids? Right. Right. They will get there. Let's just be happy and, and celebrate their progress. Absolutely. That's that's exactly where we're coming from at the homeschool loft. So we're, we're totally tracking. <laughs> um, let's see here. In Brown County in particular, but in some other areas, what are some program opportunities that the library offers for homeschool parents, teens and kids? Like to come into this, the libraries yes. and yeah. Mm-hmm. So especially in summer, we do offer volunteer opportunities for teens, which I think is a great um, thing. It's been tough this year. This has been our first year post COVID with yeah. teen volunteers and it's been tough to encourage them to come back. Mm. Um, I think it's kind of trending along the hard, you know, retail, hard to get people coming back to. <laughs> you can't get them to work. You can't get them to volunteer. You can't get them to do right? whatever, yeah. right? But um, so volunteer opportunities are a great way to get involved with the library. Um, we are also, uh, many libraries offer what is called either like a shelver or a page you know, position, a very entry level position oh. that students could get involved in the library. Um, well, we don't have any... Um, um, library sponsored book clubs at the moment. Um, there are book clubs that do access our, 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 um, collections. Mm -hmm. And so we can certainly recommend, um, book clubs to Mm -hmm. people who are interested and, um, programming. I mean, I have done teen writing programs in the past. Um, we have at our central library, we have a, a nice collection of Arduino, which is a beginning programming 
um, kit. We have lots of literacy kits that mm. homeschool families can check out, whether it be thematic backpacks, um, for example, a potty training backpack, oh. right? With mm-hmm. um, seven or eight books, a puppet, a, um, a movie. Yeah. Um, so that's like a, a theme in a bag. Yeah. Right? That oh, that's they, great. <laughs> they can, you know, check that out. And then again, most libraries across the nation are going to have great programming opportunities and it's going to vary no matter where you go. Right. Um, whether it's like a fun craft thing to a STEM um, program that whether it be elementary or above, mm-hmm. we also connect at various times with, um, for example, the Einstein project oh, yeah. here in town, mm-hmm. working on STEM projects for various ages and just partnerships with um, local entities such as Barkhausen or the new zoo for, um, you know, kids who may not have, may live, you know, inner city kids who may not get to see animals up close and personal, mm-hmm. right. They can come into our library and, and do that when we have oh, that available to them. Okay. So lots of hands-on things mm-hmm. um, for homeschool and other families as well, of sure. course. Yeah. Yeah. And story times. Talk about story times. Story times, my favorite. <laughs> so, I mean, really the cornerstone of any children's library across the country are story times, yeah. which have a very different look than they probably did a hundred years ago. <laughs> Let's face it. The kids aren't sitting there nice and quietly all the time. Um, story times are active and they're fun and they involve music yeah. and you know, the, the five tenets of early literacy, reading, writing, talking, singing, playing. Mm-hmm. These are all things that we're doing in story time. We're not sitting there quietly reading a book. Um, <laughs> we're very actively involved. And I think parents who haven't been to story time in a while would be really surprised mm-hmm. at what a story time is all about. Plus, we offer them not just for the um, toddlers and preschoolers, but um, we have baby story times as well, mm-hmm. which are insanely important, not <laughs> just for the babies, but really for the caregiver as well. Yeah. Uh, whether it be a parent or a grandparent, to learn to interact with that baby. I mean, can that baby talk? No, but are they retaining stuff? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So baby story times are really imperative um, to getting the sounds in their ears and getting the touch of a book in their hands and interacting with the caregiver sitting on their lap. It's um, early literacy is something I could go on and on about and how important it is. Yeah, Um, yeah. And you're modeling as the librarian what parents and grandparents should do, right? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm a little crazier than some at story time, so I don't <laughs> expect everybody to kind of go nuts, uh, um, you know, do all the voices and that kind of thing. Um, but absolutely, when it comes to, um, you know, sensory, I think is is a big, a big important part of story time as well. Getting the, the little child to touch the board book. Mm-hmm. This is how they learn how to turn pages, right? Yeah. This is how they learn how to respect books. This is how they learn not to eat books. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, these are, you know, and this is how they learn how to hold a crayon. Right. Um, these are all very important early literacy skills, even when a child is not talking. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are things. And it always surprises me, too, because and even with my own child, who is now 15, but, you know, she would go to a story time with daycare, for example, and we'd be on a walk and all of a sudden I'd see her doing the little itsy bitsy spider thing with her fingers. And I'm like, wow, I haven't done that in a while. I wonder how she learned that. Oh, she's absorbing this, even though she couldn't talk yet. Yes. They, you know, these little kids absorb more than we give them credit for, Mm -hmm. (laughs) for good or for bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Be careful about that. Right. So yes. Yeah, absolutely. 
Are there any things that you're dying to tell us about with the library that we haven't addressed yet? I mean, I think the message that sometimes often gets lost um, for the general public, um, I've read it occasionally in letters to the editor and I've heard it on TV. and, And even when I go somewhere and tell somebody what I do, I'm a librarian. They're like, oh, (laughs) Do we still have libraries? Do people still use libraries? Mm -hmm. And A, it's annoying, but B, it's such a great opportunity for me to tell them that, yes, people read books and yes, not everyone has access to Mm Wi-Fi and not everybody has a computer and not everybody has a safe third place to Mm -hmm. go to. Mm -hmm. So we are so much more than the beach read. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's so important, you know, where, wherever you're listening to this, um, if there's a library near you that you haven't been to in a long time, go back. Mm-hmm. Right. Not only will it be a fond memory for you of what you experienced as a child, hopefully a fond memory, right. but it will also be eye opening, I think, to things that you never knew yeah. people needed. And now more than ever, we've specially learned this since COVID is that you know, there's a huge equity barrier um, for access to to Wi-Fi and computers and those sort of things. And these are essential things. Right now, it's rare to go into into a place looking for a job and be handed a paper job application, right? Mm -hmm. People need to access online job applications, people who have never used computers in their lives, right? And we are there first step Mm. to becoming a productive member of society. Mm -hmm. So libraries are more valuable now than perhaps ever. And Mm -hmm. I think we forget that. And not just for our kids. Right. So yes, there are still libraries and yes, people still use them. And, and yes, everything is free. (laughs) (laughs) So my question is why wouldn't you, I mean, there's really no reason to not, and let's get rid of that stigma that, libraries or some old dusty thing because they're not they're vibrant they're singing talking playing happy places i'm so excited (laughs) absolutely can you tell yes yes amen rachel do you have anything to add to that I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how I could wrap it up better than that, Sharon. Um, use the library, explore it, and learn to enjoy it. Go if you go to your local library and you t- uh, ask and talk to a librarian, you're probably going to meet somebody like Sharon. <laughs> I hope so. And you know, get that stereotype out of your head of you know the glasses and the bun. Although I do have glasses, but um, <laughs> but we really do want to help. People. I mean, yes. you know, I guess we're kind of like doctors and lawyers and I mean, we, we are all in a business to help others. Yes. And I mean, we're just lucky enough to be able to give you everything we have for free mm-hmm. and make you a better person. So, you know, spread the word. Amen. Parents, you heard it here first. Uh, we expect to get emails to our website saying that you went to the library for the first time or you've gone back and you have had a blast. Um, listen to this episode uh, more than once. So you can get kind of a, uh, a feel for the different resources and then ask your local library if they have those resources and what other resources they have. And don't ask your librarian, I'm sorry if I'm bothering you. <laughs> we exist to be bothered, right? right? In a good way. <laughs> yes, you really can't be bothered. You're being, you're, you're we're enabling you yes. to do what you're called to do. Absolutely. Right? And we're helping you out by asking questions. Great. Right. 
All right. Have a good rest of your day, whatever time of day you're listening to us and be blessed, my friends. Mm -hmm.